Well, good morning, Facebook Live. As you can see, we had a couple of troubles this morning, but uh, God has put us back online, so we're encouraged that you're still hanging with us. We hope to get uh, continuing through the series, Grit, as we had it gritted out for a couple of minutes there, running back and forth. Uh, our AV team was uh, running around in circles trying to get us back online. We're grateful that God has put us back online. So uh, thank you for hanging out with us for just a little bit longer. We're getting closer, and we'll be able to come in-house, in-person, in a building without being totally concerned about videos and online very soon. But in the meantime, we want to say thank you. So we're continuing with grit this weekend, and we're in part five. We're in the book of Daniel, and we're talking more and more about the life of Daniel, how important this is for us to recognize that we have been going through the last 14 months through a pandemic. We heard of a, an interesting part of our news on, on Friday that we're hearing yesterday that we have been released for, for, for better words, of, of a mask wearing, the requirement to wear a mask. But now, whether we've been released from a piece of cloth on our mouths or over our mouths, I think what's most important, are we walking with God with grit? I have a quote here from a psychologist, Angela Lee Duckworth, from a book that she's written about grit. She has defined it this way, the ability to preserve or persevere in pursuing a future goal over a long period of time and not giving up. It is having stamina. It's sticking with your future day in, day out, not just for the week, not just for the month, but for years, not, not working really hard to make that future reality. See, grit is living life like a marathon, it's not a sprint. And I think sometimes what happens is when we're in the midst of life, we want things to happen quickly, like a 50-yard dash or a 100-yard dash. We want it to happen and be over with. But sometimes for those of you who run and run well, like Pastor Dennis, it's a long run. It's a long marathon, sometimes 13 miles, sometimes 26 miles, sometimes it's a lifetime. But each of us has to have that grit. So we've been talking about grit as, as an acronym of God-honoring, resolve. Um, we were talking about intentionality and tenacity. Well, today we're going to talk about tenacity. We're actually going to use one of those words, and we're going to continue on. And I thought of a story of someone that you and I know about where we would hear this phrase or hear this word or hear the name of this restaurant, and we would be like, oh, yeah, 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 that's, that's a really cool restaurant, at least a takeout place. Um, I haven't been there in years, so I haven't tasted this food in a while. But we're talking about the Kentucky Fried Chicken story <laughs> with Colonel Sanders. And as I think about it, I have to just share a couple of things because here was a man in his later years who had to strive, who had to grit it out to determine what his life was about. But let me just share a couple of things with you about his life. Now, Sanders was born in 1890 in Indiana. When he was six years old, his father passed away, leaving Sanders to cook and care for his siblings. In seventh grade, he dropped out of school and left home to go to work as a farmhand, 
already turning into what they would call a tough cookie. At 16, he faked his age to enlist in the United States Army. Oorah, oorah, right? Yeah, after being honorably discharged a year later, he got hired by the railway as a laborer. However, he got fired for fighting with a co-worker. While he worked for a railway, he studied law until his, he ruined his legal career by getting into another fight. Sanders was forced to move back in with his mom and get a job selling life insurance. And guess what? He got fired for insubordination. <laughs> but this guy wouldn't give up. In 1920, he founded a ferry boat company. Later, he tried cashing in a ferry boat business to create a lamp manufacturing company, only to find out that another company already sold a better version of the lamp. Poor guy couldn't catch a break. It wasn't until 40 years old he began selling chicken dishes in a service station. As he began to advertise his food, an argument with the competitor resulted in a deadly shootout. Four years later, he bought a motel which burned to the ground along with his restaurant. Yet this determined man rebuilt and ran a new motel until World War II and forced him to close it down. Following the war, he tried to franchise his restaurant. His recipe was rejected a thousand and nine times before, before anyone could even accept it. But Sanders' secret recipe was coined Kentucky Fried Chicken and quickly became a hit. However, the booming restaurant was crippled with an interstate openly nearby. So Sanders sold it and pursued his dream, spreading KFC's franchise and hiring KFC workers across the country. It's been a big hit, as you can imagine. He sold it. He sold it for $2 million. And now today in 2021, or at least up to what we know with the, with the, with the stats of 2018, he has 22,621 locations and sold for $2 million is now worth $15 billion in 136 countries. Can you imagine the grit, the determination? All he was doing was just saying, I believe there's still something in the future for my life. And he handed it off. He was able to live the rest of his years. He died at 90 years old, but he was able to live the rest of his years comfortably because he gritted it out. And so I really believe that as Christians, we have to understand that God has given us a capacity beyond us. And we might look at the story of Colonel Sanders, and he just had something innate in him to be able to do what he did. But you and I as Christians, we have a God capacity that carries us through with tenacity in every situation that we're living in. So now, say, I asked the, I asked the question, what are the qualities of a tenacious faith? What are the qualities? One is determination. We need to be determined that God has a plan for our lives, that he will give us the capacity, that we have the power of the Holy Spirit that lives in us, or never give up attitude. Never give up. No matter what you're going through, no matter how difficult it is, no matter helpless or hopeless, where it seems like there's no life ahead of you, you know that God can still make that which is a mess into a blessing. Obedience. When we're called to obedience, that means we, we say yes even if we don't like it. <laughs> and selflessness. 
not selfishness, but selflessness, which means we don't live for ourselves. We live for the King of kings, the Lord of lords, or courageous, just have a courage to believe God that he can come, and a willingness to fail. Now watch out now for you perfectionists out there, a willingness to fail, but also a willingness to stick with it no matter what. Not good for us, what we can say, procrastinators. And so it's important to understand that tenacity has forward motion. Even the word itself sounds like an action. I know you're probably tired of just saying, oh, man, I don't really have it anymore. I don't have that oorah in me. Well, you know what? God could give that to you, but it's, it's not in you and it's not in me. It's through the power of the Holy Spirit that we can do that. So when we're tenacious, you're working to accomplish or achieve something that is possible. But all things are possible with God. A good example would be learning how to play a musical instrument and having the patience and the time and the enduring, the time to be able to do that. Or if you're going through school or for all the graduates out there at this time, you've worked with great determination, enduring, persevering through your studies, through all that you've gone through. And here you were able to go across you know, a stage and to turn your tassel from your right to your left and saying, well done, accomplished. But all those hours and commitments and sweating for all the tests that you had to take, all the projects that you had to do, you had to have tenacity to get through it. Now, tenacity can also be displayed as stubbornness. And stubbornness can sometimes be selfish because it's a stalwart staying in the same place, in the same situation, with the same mindset, not being willing to change, not being willing to be pliable or flexible. Stubborn people might cling to a certain point of view that is detrimental to themselves and others. I refuse to believe this relationship is over. Or I have a right to believe that, you know, I don't need to get married. Or everyone else tells me I need to get married. I don't need to get married. No, I won't, I won't consider learning to play this instrument, whatever the instrument is. See, stubborn people refuse to consider other options. But yet tenacity can be a good stubbornness because tenacity might say, I still want to believe God in the midst of my struggle and my trial and my tribulation and my impossibility. I want to believe God's going to still see it through. I have seen that in my own life. People have said, Bruno, are you being stubborn? No, I'm trusting God. But God could still give us that stubborn quality that could be used for his glory. And so then I ask another question. Is it possible to have a testimony without tenacity? See, if you and I are called of God, we understand that whatever testimony you see in the Old Testament, you see that each individual that went through it had tenacity. Job, tenacity. Joseph, tenacity. Peter, tenacity. Paul, tenacity. All the testimonies that they had. See, I, I really don't believe we could have a testimony and not have tenacity. In fact, it's required for each of us to be able to do that. So as we're looking now at Daniel in the background of chapter 5, we have seen throughout first chapter, second chapter, third chapter, and even Nebuchadnezzar in chapter 4, that Daniel had serious tenacity, a serious commitment to believe God in the midst of impossibility. Believe in God that there was a God capacity in him, that he didn't depend on himself, but he depended on God to get him through every impossibility. I mean, you got to think about it. Again, chapter 1, he 
he, he changed the diet for the Babylonians and went to the king with it, and the king was impressed. And he challenged it, but did it with wisdom and direction. Chapter 2, it was either, either interpret the dream or die. And for everyone else to die, what pressure? Yet he trusted God, and they prayed, and God came through for a purpose. Chapter 3, he saw his three best friends being thrown in a fiery furnace, not knowing what God was going to do, but still believing. And the three Hebrew boys said, we will still be thrown in the fiery furnace because we will stand for God no matter what. Such tenacity. And now we see that he continues that we see there's something going on with tenacity in chapter 5. And so in chapter 5, as we see it, King Nebuchadnezzar has already died in 562 B.C. And then the kingship was handed over and succeeded by his son for only two years. So we're at 560. And then his brother-in-law came in, and he took over the throne for about four years, 556. And then there was another one, what they called the puppet ruler, who held the throne for only two months. And finally, Nabonidus became king and reigned from 556 to 539. But Belshazzar, who was now the grandson, as scholars believe, of Nebuchadnezzar, was the ruler, a co-regent, and a ruler of the city of Babylon. Nabonidus was the one who was the lead co, or he was a co-regent, but he was the lead one. And so here was a banquet that was happening in chapter 5. What was the purpose of this banquet? The Persian Empire, the Persian armies were all around the fortified walls of the city of Babylon. And here they were already, what was happening was, even in history as it's been stated, even according to the Nabonidus Chronicle, the, Babylon, the Babylonians had experienced a devastating defeat just days prior to this banquet. And the hands of the Persians were coming strong, and Nabonidus fled. So here is Belshazzar inside of the kingdom having a party with all of those around him, kind of laid back, uh, not, care, not having a care, and he was there. You know, Warren Warnsby says in his commentary, he says, I see Belshazzar as in three eyes that he indicated. He said he was a man of indulgence, only interested in flaunting his gold, his silver, and his bronze, which were the items in the temple of God in Israel. And he was entertaining people for his pleasure. He wanted to be accepted and loved by others with no care of life. Two, he was indifferent. He, he continued to have this pressure from the Persians, but he was looking, and they were looking to overtake the Babylonian Empire, but he didn't care. He didn't even consider the dream in chapter 2. Remember, with the Babylonian Empire came the next, the Persian Meda Empire, and it was about to be overthrown, and so and overtaken. And so lastly, he says he was irreverent, didn't have any respect for God or the Jews or his grandfather because his grandfather made a decree that no one is to give disrespect to the God of Israel. So what does he do? He grabs these vessels from the temple of God and he starts praising the gold and silver and bronze and he uses them as idols and they drink from these vessels. Therefore, the Lord immediately gets a hold of him and he has a human hand come, this, this incredibly supernatural action where he has a human hand starting writing on the wall of judgment against Belshazzar. And here we see in chapter, Daniel chapter 5, 
uh, verses 5 through 9. I want to read it to you as you can see that we're not, we're not just there. I'm not going to have it on the screen. I want to read it to you. It says, immediately the fingers of the human hand appeared and wrote on the plaster of the wall in the king's palace opposite the lampstand. And the king saw the hand as it wrote. Then the king's color changed and his thoughts alarmed him. His limbs gave way and his knees knocked together. He was petrified. He was frightened. And all of them around him saw this king being frightened by this hand that they couldn't make sense of. And the king called loudly to bring in the enchanters, the Chaldeans, and the astrologers. And again, this is chapter 2. The king declared to the wise men of Babylon, whoever reads this writing and shows me its interpretation shall be clothed with purple and have a chain of gold around his neck and shall be the third ruler of the kingdom. Then all the wise men came in and they could not read the writing or make known of it to the king of the interpretation. Then King Belshazzar was greatly alarmed, frightened. His color changed. You ever have that happen to you when you're frightened? Can you imagine seeing something floating and then all of a sudden you see something writing on the wall? Let me tell you something. I would scream as a little girl, scream and yelp and run. But here he was and his lords were perplexed. So all of them around them were confused, perplexed. He was shaking at the knees. His color was changing. He didn't know what to do. So now at the point, this point of, of, of this narration, Daniel has been removed 23 to 25 years from the kingdom. He's in retirement. He's playing some golf, hanging out at the beach, thought he would sip on a pina colada. No, he's not doing any of that. Just trying to keep you awake over here. But however, his ministry, his appointment by God continues because he left around 62 years old, 60 to 62, and now he's around 82 years old. Most at 82 would say, you know what, I'm just going to go relax, play some golf, go on vacation, and I'll be used of God if God wants me to. But if he calls me in to serve again, I'm not sure about that. But here, God is calling Daniel back to the kingdom. And because the Lord was not going to give up, he wanted his impact to continue, so he calls on Daniel. Daniel has a tenacity. And he continues in his faith. Even at 82 years old, like Caleb at 85 or 90. See, he continues. And see, you and I, we need to have that tenacity, that unwillingness to give up. The willingness to be determined with courage and obedience to follow God. So I ask you a couple of things here today. What will it require? What does tenacity require for us? We have a, just a few things. First, it's to fear God, not man. It's real simple. Fear God and not man. I mean, look, look, look again. Like, look at what happens here. Because now the queen, which is said to be the daughter of Nebuchadnezzar, who obviously had seen what Daniel was doing when she was younger and heard about it through her father, she heard about this man, this man in this kingdom. And now we see in verse 10 that it's highlighted right here. It says, the queen... Because of the words of the king and his lords came into the banquet hall. And the queen declared, O king, live forever, even though he wasn't being kingly because he was scared out of his mind. Let not your, let your thoughts alarm you or your color change. There is a man in your kingdom in whom is the spirit of the holy gods. In the days of your father... Light and understanding and wisdom like the wisdom of the gods were found in him. And King Nebuchadnezzar, your father, your father the king, 
made him chief of the magicians, enchanters, Chaldeans, and astrologers. See, light, the word means in Hebrew, is illumination. So here, Daniel had the illumination of God. He had a connection with God. Understanding is the word for insight. And wisdom are like the wisdom of the gods which are found, which means he had the wisdom of God at his access at any time. Do you know that you and I in Christ today, because the power of the Holy Spirit, that we have the wisdom of God, we lack of it, we can ask of it? But he had it. And you can see in all of that he was going through, he continued with tenacity. He didn't give up because he knew that his capacity was not of himself. Why is it that we struggle? Why is it that we are frustrated? Why is it that we're challenged so often? Because I think we don't realize that we have the wisdom of God to be able to get through any struggle in our lives. Those that are impossible situations, God can make possible. And when we have that connection with God, it's possible. You know, it says here in Proverbs 9, 10, Solomon says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, which is even at the beginning of the book. And the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. Let me share something with you. You know, you and I have the capacity, the access to have the insight of God through the power of the Holy Spirit. Do you know that we can have intimacy with God on a daily basis? That we have that, that place of being in tune with him and hearing his voice and sensing his presence and knowing that in any situation we can call on him? Is it pride that we don't? Is it that we want to say it's from us? Do we want to say that it's from our capacity, from our ability to be able to do it? Do we want to say that we want the credit? Do we want to say that, yes, I'm a man of God, or I am a humble man, or I'm a man who's in tune with God? Or do we just say, you know what? I don't have the capacity, but I have it through God. It's not in me. Let me just, let me just give you some thoughts there, because this is so important. I think fear is what cripples us. And I think there is a chasm between, between fear and faith. There is a chasm between fear and faith. You know what that is? It's doubt. It's doubt. We're not, we're, we're not so much that we doubt God. Sometimes I think we doubt ourselves because we think our capacity is in ourselves. So when we don't see it and we see it limited, we start to doubt. But we don't realize we have an unlimited source of capacity in God. And that's how we're able to grit it out. Because God gives us that capacity. We can't deny it. We, can't, we shouldn't doubt it. <laughs> because we doubt it when it's when we depend on ourselves. See, that's pride. Because we're saying God doesn't want to deal with us. And we have a pride because we don't want to be dependent on God. Do you know that as an American, it's always been encouraged for us to be independent. But with God and our walk with Christ and our faith, it's dependency that we're supposed to be focused on. That's where the tension is going back and forth. And there's a chasm that sits between those two, between fear and faith and it's doubt. And doubt can cripple us. It can create such a disunity in our hearts and dissension amongst us all. Do you know just the, the cloth on our face has created such doubt in 14 months? It's created disunity. I was telling Pastor Dennis before we got started. There's such disunity and dissension amongst the people of God over a piece of cloth that just hangs over our ears and over our mouth. I mean, it's crazy. Because doubt continues to consume us. God's not called us to this. 
The Bible says that we can call on God at any time. If we lack of wisdom, we can ask of it. But let me just share a little insight here, because I go back to verse 4 for a purpose. And it said, let your steadfastness have its full effect. Steadfastness, tenacity, staying with endurance and perseverance, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Not perfect like in sinless, but complete in that you're walking in closeness with God. You have his insight. You have intimacy with God. Now, when you're close with God, if you lack wisdom, if you lack of any of it, he says, let him ask of God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. I think sometimes we look at verse 5. If you would just stand alone, verse 5, we would look at it as like a rubbing of the genie of the lamp. Okay, Lord, give me wisdom. Give me wisdom. If I rub three times, will you give me wisdom? If I rub ten times, will you give me wisdom? We know the genie comes out after three rubs and then, or just a rub of the lamp and then three wishes. But we'll, we'll keep rubbing until we get that wisdom, right? No, that's not what it's like. See, I think wisdom comes from God when we're steadfast, when we have grit, when there's tenacity, when we won't give up. We keep sticking with it. Then we will hear God's voice then God would be so generously to let us in. He let Daniel in. He gave Daniel the ability to interpret dreams. He gave him insight and wisdom. He had illumination from God. We have that today. We have it in the Lord. Let me share my second point here. Tenacity requires one other thing here. It says, following God's plan even when we don't understand. Following God's plan even though we don't understand. Following God's plan, even though we don't understand. Now watch this. In, in chapter 5, verse 12, as I'm going to read to you this, it says, Because an excellent spirit, knowledge and understanding to interpret dreams. This is what the queen was saying. Explains riddles and solves problems were found in this Daniel. Whom the king named Belshazzar. And then she goes on and continues to use the word Daniel, which is his Hebrew name. Now let Daniel be called, and he will show the interpretation. She was confident. But let me just bring you back to verse 12. Excellent spirit. Really cool, cool phrase there. Excellent means extraordinary. Spirit is the word that we know as ruah. <laughs> it's the spirit of God. It's the breath of God. See, he has an excellent spirit, meaning he has extraordinary ruah. It's not in and of himself. In fact, in the word of it itself, excellent really means it doesn't come from the intellectual capacity of a person or human being. It actually means that the excellent, the extraordinary comes from God. The capacity comes from God. So grit requires God capacity. That's how Daniel made it through all these situations. It wasn't Daniel's humility. It wasn't Daniel's ability to do anything. It was God who gave Daniel the ruah to be able to get through it. And you and I have the breath, the Holy Spirit that lives in us. It's been guaranteed and given to us until the day of redemption, and you and I have it. And all we have to do is just connect with God. Have the wisdom of God means to fear the Lord, to follow his plans, even though we make, it makes no sense. In my life, I've seen that all of my life. Every time I went through a situation, I said, Lord, this makes no sense. And my mentor would say, that means God's in it. <laughs> this morning, it makes no sense. We're running around, going in circles, trying to figure out how to get back online. We know the enemy doesn't want us to share a message. But you know what? 
It makes sense because we're in a war. It's a battle cry. We need ruah. We need life. We need the breath of God in us. We have the breath of God. But what can stop us? Well, Ephesians makes light of it. Because Ephesians makes light of it when it says that we have the promised guarantee of the Holy Spirit in us. But sometimes we can grieve the Holy Spirit, Ephesians 4.30. And that can get us off line. Just like this morning. We were off line. We were online and then got disconnected. That's what happens with God. We get disconnected when we sin because we're saying to God, don't need you right now. Let me do what I want to do. That's what sin is. And we get disconnected. Then the ruah is not there for that moment. The ruah has to back off because the Holy Spirit doesn't hang around in sin. But he's waiting until we confess our sin. He is faithful and just, will forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. See, I love when I see in Ezekiel 36, because this ruah is mentioned a couple of times. Let me just read it to you. It says this, and referring to the future of the millennial kingdom for new covenant language, it says, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit, new ruah. I love it. New Ruah. Because it says, I will put within you, which is talking about Israel and the future of the permanency of the Holy Spirit. It's not, it's selective in the Old Testament, temporary. It's permanent in dwelling in the New Testament. And the Israelite today who comes to faith in Christ will have this Ruah promised to him or her. And I will remove the heart of stone for your flesh and give you a heart of stone of flesh and give you a heart of flesh. That means that pliable, flexible heart that says, here I am, Lord, and not be this stern law living kind of legalist and living in the law. But one who can live out with pliability and flexibility before God, knowing that he will cleanse us. And he goes on, verse 27, and I will put my spirit in within you, my ruah within you, and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. That's where the capacity is. God gives us the ruah in us so we can obey him and honor him and give him glory. That's God capacity. That's what gets us through these very difficult moments in our lives when the struggling marriage and struggling children, all of that's going on. God gives us that ruah. Even in the, he goes on in verse 30, in chapter 37 and verse 5, it says, Thus the Lord God to these bones, he even gives it to these dry bones. He says, Behold, I will cause Ruah to enter you, and you shall live. I think we need to learn to depend on God, not be independent from God, to humble ourselves, not be proud. God is calling us, just like Daniel is telling Belshazzar, stop being proud. Humble yourself. Because he's given you Ruah to live. A breath from God. So we need an extraordinary spirit. And it only finds a source in the extraordinary Yahweh God. That's where extraordinary things will happen. That's when we see God, divine, supernatural things happen. When we have Ruah working in our lives. It's also pronounced rock. Rock. But I'm going to go with Ruah. Because I really believe we need ruah for our hoorah. Anybody out there who's military, give it to me, Carlos. Hoorah, hoorah, hoorah. We need that. We need that in our lives, in our walk with God. We need that chant. We need that motivation. We need to know that even when we're falling, we could confess our sin and the Holy Spirit cleanses us. 
God cleanses us, and we're back in relationship with Ruah. Number three, tenacity requires forsaking our pleasures and worldly treasures. Our pleasures and our worldly treasures. Daniel now is standing before the king, and he says before the king, let your gifts be for yourselves, because he just offered him these gifts. He said, I'll give you a purple robe. I'll give you a reward. And Daniel goes, I don't need your money. (laughs) I don't live for money. I'm not interested. I don't serve God to receive money. I don't have a stipend. I'm coming because God called me to come. I'm not here because of you. He goes on, he says, you keep your, give your rewards to another. Nevertheless, I will read the writing to the king and make it known to him the interpretation. And in verse 18, he goes, O king, the most high God, he gave respect to him, gave Nebuchadnezzar. He said, O king, and he goes, the most high God gave Nebuchadnezzar, your father, kingship and greatness and glory and majesty. It was God. It wasn't anyone else. Daniel saying, I received a gift from God, and I'm using it. He gets the glory. The Nebuchadnezzar, your grandfather, did the same. He had to go through a very challenging time, but then he realized he had to surrender. How often important is it this? Even Paul makes in light of it in Acts 20, 33, says, I covet no one's silver or gold or apparel. It's very clear. That no man, every man, every woman, anybody who has bearing the name of Jesus Christ should forsake worldly treasures and pleasures because it will never get us moving forward. In fact, I really think that's what dismisses the ruah in our lives when we're focused on these other things. You know, Matthew 6, 19, 21, we understand says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys or where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. It's so important to understand when he says further in the chapter of Matthew 6, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all things will be added unto you. See, you can't serve two masters, he says, because one master is bought with, you know, the, the two masters are God and money. And one of us, one of those masters bought us with a price. He created us for a purpose. And this purpose was not to live on earth for our agenda, but for his. It's not for our worldly pleasures or for our worldly treasures. What are you seeking? What are you consumed with? How are they seeing you? Is the world around you see that you're buying many treasures on earth? What impact are you making with the people at work? With your neighbors, do they see ruah in you? Or do they see the moolah in you? (laughs) I mean, it's an old term for money ages me a bit, but do they see it? Do they see it in me? I ask that question all the time. What are the neighbors seeing in me? What are the people around me? Am am I showing them the love of Jesus Christ? Because I fail at times. And unfortunately, it's a challenging process. See, I really believe we can't gain godliness while pursuing gold. We can't gain it. God didn't call us. If we're seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, 
we can't do it by pursuing gold. That means the treasures of this world. At any point, God's going to take us as he sees fit. You know, Daniel 5.23, if you could turn to it, if you have your Bibles with you, it says this. Because after Daniel starts to share and recants the story of Nebuchadnezzar, his grandfather, how he was humbled, became animal-like, was eating grass, he did share with his grandson that he finally submitted. And then in verse 23, it says, but you have lifted up yourself against the Lord of heaven. So here's the boldness, the fortitude that Daniel has, this tenacity to speak against the king. And he says, and the vessels of his house have been brought in before you. And you and your lords, your wives and your concubines have drunk wine from them. And you have praised the gods of silver and gold and of bronze, iron and wood and stone, which you do not see. Watch this. Hear or know. But the God in whose hand is your ruah, your breath, and whose are all your ways, you have not honored. So here he said, you have ruah in you, and you didn't honor God. But you put your hope and your, and your, and your worship and your adoration in these, in these idols of gold and silver that have no voice, that have no breath, that have nothing. He says, you do you don't see it or hear it or know. You can't speak to a cup. And although we don't see or hear God audibly, we know him because we have insight and wisdom of God. We have ruah. We have the breath of God in us. And we can work by a testimony. And when God works through us for his capacity, they'll see a testimony. And God will be glorified in our lives. See, when we look to God and live in this capacity, we can continue to have that tenacity. See, our tenacity through God's capacity creates a lasting testimony. It doesn't mean that you and I are to be perfect. It doesn't mean we'll never make a mistake. It doesn't mean we, we will never sin again. We will sin and we'll sin often. But we still have the God capacity in us. And you never notice that when we go through struggles and difficulties, that God uses it for a testimony. What an amazing testimony that Daniel had again. Watch, look at verse 14. Just look at verse 14. It says, and, and here's what Belshazzar said. First of all, the queen mentions him. That's a testimony. And then Belshazzar says, I have heard that you have the ruah of the gods. Woo! That gets me excited. He's saying, we see the ruah in you. We've heard of it. Verse 16, he goes, I have heard that you can interpret dreams and solve problems, naughty problems. Problems is the word naughty in the Hebrew, meaning all messed up. But God gives us the wisdom to solve them. Could you imagine if we live in this God capacity, this ruah, the Holy Spirit, what would they hear about you and me? What would they hear about us? If we could live in that and be tenacious, if we could truly walk in it, my gosh, my goodness, we would see treasures for heaven, not here on earth. We would see lives change, people's lives change. We have seen some crazy things happen in the past couple of months. We can laugh a little bit at the dangerous prayers. I've heard a couple of people say, we've prayed those dangerous prayers, and man, we have seen trial upon trial upon trial. Pastor Genesis said a couple of times, he says, these last two or three months have been crazy. It's been the toughest two or three months of his life. And he has been tenacious in working through it. 
Because why? Because he knows the ruahs in him. And each one of us, we can hear it's a testimony of each of us, which God is going to do. Lastly, I want to share this with you. My daughter, um, who just graduated today, I was able to see online, was so exciting because if we didn't shut down for Facebook only, I wouldn't have had the chance to see it live. I saw her walk on the stage. I was so proud, so excited. Um, we're so proud of her five years. And all of you who are graduates, previous graduates, graduates today and future, it's an exciting time for a parent, as you know. But I got to go back five years when my wife and I walked on the campus. And my wife said, let's check out this school. And we were in a vulnerable state financially. We were struggling big time. I was like, I don't even know why we're going. I, I had a bad attitude. I really did. I, was, I didn't have Ruah going in my life at that time. Um, and, uh, you know, it was tough. And I was walking around the campus. And my poor wife had to put up with me, old grumpy Bruno. And we went into a session about the finances. And I saw the amount of money. And I said, You've got to be kidding me. Lord, what are we doing here? I can't afford this. There's no way, Lord. Why are you even presenting this to us? Lord, there's no... I was just going into a really bad place. And I was frustrated. My wife and I were arguing, trying to keep it from the people around us. My daughter saw it. It was just not a good time. I had to walk around the campus by myself. I'm like, Lord, why? And the Lord said, well, do you not trust me? And he had to spank me disciplined me because I wasn't. I was doubting. The faith wasn't there. The chasm between fear and faith is doubt. And boy, doubt was just running rampant on me. Do you know in a couple of months, my daughter was accepted with a scholarship? We were able to pay the first year with very minimal money. God provided the first year with no debt. In fact, made it the second year with no debt. Three, four, and five, there's debt, but God will take care of that. I need a ruah. I confessed my sin. It was tough. My daughter had to go through tenacious five years, but God worked it all out. Am I sure glad I live in God's capacity, not my own? Because if it was my capacity, my daughter would have never attended that school. If it were my capacity, my daughter would have been going somewhere else or probably home university, stay home and figure something else out. But God said, let me handle this. You live in my capacity. I got this. And she walked across the stage, and God made it possible. I just want to share with you. I can share that as a testimony now. Because I know God needs to keep working on me. But what about you? What are they hearing from you? What is the world hearing from all of us? What are they seeing in us? I pray that Grace Church would be a church that lives by, by the spirit, what we would call ruah, the breath of God. That even when an impossible situation is in front of us, we will say, Lord, we will lean on you for your capacity. God can make anything happen. Which seems impossible, God can make possible. May we live in that grit. May we live in that grit so others will see and they'll hear of our testimony. I want to pray for you right now that God would give us, each one of us, 
a grit to be a testimony, a lasting testimony for his glory and his honor and his praise. Let's pray. God, thank you for reminding me of the story. God, thank you for your many chances of confession of sin. Thank you, Lord, that you give us ruah. What a beautiful God capacity, Lord. You give it to us in every situation. When we think it's not possible, God, that's when you say all things are possible. God, I pray that you would instill on our people here at Grace Church and all around the world as Christians universally to live in the breath of God, especially coming out of a pandemic. God, may you please help us to now stand out, to evangelize, to share your great testimony of Jesus Christ, that we would share that we were bought with a price for a purpose. God, give us that testimony. Give us that excitement. God, give us a ru'ah, an exciting, exciting, exciting message of working in our lives. God, we love you. We pray that your spirit would move in our midst. God, that we would pray that you would work amongst all of our people. God, we're excited about what you're going to do in the coming days. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.